Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. MyCastingFile, the place for talent to get their start. All right. Welcome to Talking Like Normal People, a show dedicated to talking about acting, casting, and auditions, and probably some other things too with people who love it. I am your host, Ryan Glorioso, casting director based in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thank you guys for listening. I got Jason on the mic today. That's right. Justin's still uh, away. I'm not doing a very good job filling in for Justin, but uh, we, we miss you, man. <laughs> we miss you, Justin. <laughs> He's away at uh, band camp. Um, not really. He's doing a show uh, in another state for us. All right. So I want to just thank everybody who listens and subscribes. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us. Um, we're on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podbean, and Stitcher. Got a postcard from a, a pretty loyal fan that comments pretty often and he's he's done some uh some reviews for us online which is nice so i'm gonna give him a shout out um it's got three pictures on it handsome guy and i believe he's also an orange theory coach because he told me that online uh thank you for the opportunity i enjoyed the chance to audition for you and share my craft Tyler Roberts, and then he puts his his phone number and his email, which I'm not going to give to the world. But uh, and then the back it says, "I appreciate you calling me into audition. Congrats on all of your success. I look forward to seeing you again, Tyler Roberts." Boom. All right, Man. done with that. All right, let's get to this week's guest. All right, he spent several years in the Southeast building amazing credits on top of an already impressive body of work. He is a talent able to dig deep beneath the layers of his characters. He was Detective Colquitt on American Horror Story, Freak Show, and Bill Meeks on Underground, two very memorable roles in television history. He's an actor with true commitment to the craft of acting and, I must say, a man's man. Please welcome PJ Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> a man's man. Oh, that's a compliment. Yeah. How are you? but maybe not in today's world. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm good, man. I'm good. I, uh, before we, before we dive deep, maybe you'll get to this in your, in the history of you, but, uh, I read somewhere that you used to be a dancer. Oh God. <laughs> Is that real? Yes. What kind of dancer? Like a hip hop dancer? I wish. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let it out. <laughs> I mean, it's I worked, on the internet. I worked, I know, but I worked, uh, for a male review, like strip show called the Hollywood Strip. <laughs> really? Yeah. What? It was at a, where was that? In Hollywood? <laughs> no, it was in Santa Ana, California. That's awesome. Okay, so you were you started out as a male stripper. I love this already. Well. Uh, <laughs> I needed a job. I didn't know I was going to be outing you like this. Yeah, well, I needed a job, and I was working out, in, you know, excessively at the time. And um, he's doing a little boxing. Uh, and uh, there was a guy, you know, they had waiters that would wear a little bow tie, no shirt, you know, cummerbund and spandex shorts, whatever. And um, my friend, uh, I wish I remain nameless because I don't want to get him involved. He said, hey, PJ, you know, we, we need a waiter. It's cool. You make tons of money and you just you got a great body. You want to come work? I said, sure. So I did. And uh, I was terrible as a waiter because I can't count like 
money exchanging. I was always coming up short, you know, and people were <laughs> fucking with me and like saying like, oh, I gave you a 20, man, or what, what? And, and whatever. <laughs> so that part wasn't good. But after a while, watching the, the dancer routines, now there was a guy who ran the show named Sweet Louie. <laughs> oh, okay. He's a piece of work, but a pretty awesome guy. He uh, had these dancers do these really elaborate acts. I mean, they were cool to watch. Not just some guy walking out and taking his clothes off, but like, you know, one guy, uh, like I did it. <laughs> I did a George Michael act because he was real big at the time, you know, with the cowboy boots and the leather jacket. So uh, after watching these guys, I was like, and then on Sundays, they had an all black show. It's like all black dancers. Yeah. Or it was in the it was in the dark. Yeah, it was it was all black. So I worked a couple nights and and the women really liked me when I was waiting on them, they said, you should be dancing and you, you, you should be dancing. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should. Cause there was a lot of performing to it. It wasn't just, you know, like I said, taking just taking clothes, clothes off. off. So I got this crazy idea and I'm like, I'm going to, cause people would come in and audition for sweet Louie, which was the most crazy thing. You'd see sweet Louie, long stringy, you know, blonde hair, super tan. What's up, bro? What's up, bro? Oh. <laughs> Real interesting character. And a, somebody would come in and audition. So it was him on this long couch that the women sit on. He just sits there, and this dude puts on music and starts, like, moving around, and Louis just watching him like this. And I'm watching Hand from behind chin. going, oh, my God. This guy starts taking his clothes off. His body isn't very good. And by the time he's, like, yanking his pants off, Louis is like, all right, stop the music, stop the music. He's like, bro, bro. What is this? You, you don't have no show. Like, what is this? Look, look at my guys. And he points to me. He goes, look at that. He's ripped. Look at you. I can't even see your abs. Like, is this a joke? Oh, my God. I felt bad for the guy. So I start putting this idea of George Michael, you know, with the leather jacket and, and boom, boom, jacket, boom, you know. And I put this, I work on this act in my room. And so one day I come to practice it with Bob, the guy who got me hired, and he's working the lights, and we're trying to put it together. And Louie walks in, and he's like, what's going on, guys? I was like, oh, shit. And my friend Bob goes, oh, hey, PJ's got an act. He wants to show you. And I was like, he's like, cool, man. I'm like, oh, God, I got to do the same thing for him that that guy did. He's going to sit and watch me from the couch. So I was like, (laughs) all right, here I go, man, you know. And there was, there was, it transitions from father figure to I want your sex and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so <laughs> my brother's wife made me these Velcro jeans. <laughs> it gets better. Oh my God. I don't that know if this just, podcast can get better. That would just rip off. Right. <laughs> so I go, all right, it's now or never, bro. So boom, boom, chaka. And Louis watching me, boom. Jack, I pull the thing off. But, uh, bounce. I want you, you know, bang. shoes come off. I go, wow. Da, da, da. He's like, bro, kill the music, kill the music. Kill. I'm like, oh no, he hates it. He hates it. He hates it. Kill it. And he just sits there. Bro, you come up with this on your own? I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I mean, a few things I want to change, but yeah. I like it. So from then on, the rest of the afternoon, we, 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 he redid it and made it better. 
And um, oh man! And there begins and your there began your stripper career. That's an awesome story. Oh my god! Like I was, I was expecting to find out that you were like, you know, put in dance classes when you were two years old, and and then became a, a dancer. But, but listen, <laughs> I loved dancing, meaning I'm really good at it. And during the late '80s, when I was in high school, I was obsessed with Michael Jackson. I was obsessed with Prince, and I recorded most of Michael Jackson's videos. And I would come home after school, and I would. And I would watch Beat It. I'd watch uh, uh, um, the other one. Thriller. Um, Thriller. And I had them down. I had them down. I would practice them every day because I loved it. So when we had a school dance and PJ's busting out, it was like, whoa. Boom, ch touch, boom, ch touch, boom, ch and, and I was just, I loved it. I, mean, I, probably, awesome. I probably, and that's what was so cool about Louie was like, before the show even started, all the dancers would get together and we did a whole bit with the chairs like Janet Jackson. And it was it was awesome. I mean, um, he took it very seriously, <laughs> which sounds funny. But um, like I said, there were some acts that were just incredible. Hey, um, man, some some uh, male review dancers have become big stars, right? Channing Tatum. Well, that's what's interesting to watch that because I watched it, you know, having the insight that I had. and And I have to say, the way Matthew McConaughey was... You know, he was uh -huh. kind of manipulative and kind of, I was like, that's Sweet Louie, Was that man. Sweet Louie? Oh, yeah. And I was like, damn, that's so Talk close. What's the, what are those movies called? The uh, Magic Mike. Magic Mike, yeah. Oh, dude. I mean, the dancing's so different now, but got to tell you one night, though. Got to tell you the funniest night. Well, it's horrific and funny at the same time. All of guys were, were like me, you know, kind of ripped, kind of thin, whatever. They wanted a big guy, you know, like a hulky big dude so they got this guy named rob who was huge like a baby huey type you know huge neck oh, okay like like freaking giant right and he comes in and they're all excited and he's all excited he's got this show and he, he kind of talks like this rob you know like, i got this <laughs> i got this act called candy man candy man and i i, I pass out candy cane to the girls man <laughs> you have to write I a kid, movie i kid you oh not oh my god so here we are rob's big night right and on the couch that surrounds the stage like a U, there's these giant speakers hanging. Because back then they did huge ass speakers with, with you know, pointy edges. They're, they're like hanging like th this, right? Okay, from the ceiling. Yep. Pretty close down. So fucking Rob starts going, boom, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's moving and he's got this tearaway t-shirt and he has the girl hold on to it and he spins around and it tears off, right? And he's like, yeah. And Rob's going nuts, right? Bada, bada, bada. And then he stands and puts one foot on the couch and, and starts, you know, gyrating and then goes to jump off in the air. Oh, no. Right? And he jumps up and the corner of the speaker gouges into his forehead. <gasps> And the speaker falls on this chick's foot, cuts oh. it right open. He's got blood oh spurting out of his head. And we're all like, what the? Oh, oh my God. Oh, my and he's God. Like, ah! <laughs> and then blood's just spurting all over the dance floor, and the lights are going. They're like, kill the lights, kill the lights. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then they take Rob in the back room where we all get dressed, and we're trying to calm him down. He's got this open wound about oh. an inch, oh. just open in his head. And we're trying to calm him down. And one of the dancers, Raphael, hasn't seen it yet. And we're just getting robbed to where he's calmed down. And Raphael walks in and goes, Ah, my God! <laughs> but it was a horrific night. 
Oh my God. You, those are some good stories. So I think this falls into right. the, uh, and Jeez, probably other things too, portion of the <laughs> podcast. Um, you asked the question. I huh? did. I did. I'm so glad I asked it. I never start with the question like that. Yeah. So let me, let but me. But I have to say, um, Sweet Louie was an actor and I was just starting to peek it through at acting at that time. And he took me a long drive to do a show and he was like, bro, you're doing acting. That's great, man. That's great. You know, and, and so he encouraged you. Yeah, That's he was a awesome. natural performer. He was amazing. Um, he was amazing. So that was interesting, you know. It's so weird. take us back, like, to you know, tell us about you, your your humble beginnings, like where you come from, and how'd you get to uh, get through the dancing stage into acting, <laughs> and then end up here today, uh, working on a on a big TV show. Well, I was born in New Jersey. Uh, my whole family's uh, from New York, uh, New City. Uh, my mom grew up in Queens. My dad grew up in Queens. But when I was born, we were in, in um, North Bergen, New Jersey, I think it is. And after a year, um, we moved to, <laughs> to Georgia, and I ended up in Stone Mountain, Georgia, which was, we were called the Yankees, which was really dark. <laughs> Like, I had no idea. We were living around a bunch of racist people, and that was the headquarter of the Ku Klux Klan. I had no idea. Oh, wow. You know, went to a uh, football game one time on a Saturday, because my brother's eight years older than me, or seven years older than me. He was playing football, and against this black team, and they had, there was a cross burnt in the field, like from the night before. What? And I was looking at it going, what's that? Because I had no idea. I had no idea. First time I've ever seen it like that. I turned to my dad, I'm like, Dad, why is there a cross there? He's like, I don't know. Didn't talk about it. <laughs> Damn. Right in the middle of that. How long did y'all stay there? <laughs> How long? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I was there till I was uh, in th third or fourth grade, and then we moved to Southern California, which was a total another culture shock. You know, palm trees. My brother moved out six months before, and I get there, and he's all tan and blonde. He's like, what's up, bro? And I'm like, <laughs> what is this? This is well, awesome. Why, why did y'all move around a lot? My dad. What, what did he do? My dad worked for UPS at the time. They stationed him down there. Nice. And then he got a better job offer and moved us uh, to, to California. Nice. And, and then, so then you're in California. And about how old are you? Uh, what, fourth grade, fifth grade? Nine, ten. Okay. Yeah. I always remember grades, not ages. I don't know why. So I started boogie boarding and living the California life. And then my dad got another job offer. He moved us up to Camarillo. Northern okay. California, yeah, Ventura yeah. County. And that's where I started uh, junior high school, my first year of high school. And then he moved us right back down to the same city again. And then I grew up there, which is Fountain Valley, Huntington Beach. So did you, when did you start getting uh, interested in, in acting? Were you in high school doing theater? Well, you know, what's funny is I used to go to the movies relentlessly because I loved it so much. I don't know why, but in TV shows... And always the dramatic ones. Um, even as a kid, I was just so drawn to, probably because I grew up with a lot of uh, dramatic stuff in my family. Yeah. So it's like you identify for some reason. You always want to watch that because it's you're connected to heartache as opposed to like everything's great. Yeah. And I remember watching. I'll never forget this. There was a show called Life Goes On. Uh huh. Kid with Down Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And I. For the life of me, I can't remember the episode. I just remember what happened. I was that was Michael Chick Chiklis, right? Was it? Yeah. God, he, I, have I think no he's the dad. I think. 
And there was this falling out between these two dads. I don't remember why. Something like that. And I'm watching it all by myself. And they're on this baseball field, I think, in the bleachers or something. And it was the way the one dad just kind of succumbed to what he had done wrong or whatever and was apologizing or something to the other guy or something like that. And it hit my heart, like, for whatever reason, I don't know why. I remember thinking, God, it's so, I like that. That's teaching me something. Why, what is that all about? No idea that I'd go into acting after that, but I was always imitating everybody. Yeah. Everybody, just because I just loved it. I always thought, you know, I'm not making fun of them. I'm actually celebrating them because they're so interesting. Sure. Why else would you? It's a yeah. deepest imitation. form of flattery. Yeah, imitation exactly. is the deepest form of flattery. So then um, they had a trade show thing at our, at our junior high school, like a career day or something. Right, okay. And I got all these different booths set up, and there was this acting one, and I was like, huh, and started talking to this guy about it, and he started talking about James Dean and all these things, and, and I'm like, Did wow. you know who James Dean was? Yeah, 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 I did. My mom loved James Dean. And so um, in high school, I was always making people laugh, always imitating characters, always the funny guy. Funny, 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 funny. No one had this idea that had all this drama inside me, this darkness, because my family life was really was really intense. And um, I was the one that just kind of held everybody together and just sort of shut everything With down. With your humor. Yeah, 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 you know. So um, I was always an artist. That's what I was going to go to school for. I could not stop drawing. I loved drawing. I was really good at it. Still am good at it. And so when I went to the, um, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do after high school because I was surfing so much. I loved it. Surfing, surfing, surfing. I was yeah. on the high school team. It was awesome. Do you still oh, surf? Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, I haven't in a long time because I've been out from California. When I go back, though, I do. I'm, I miss it. Yeah. My dream is to make a trip to either Bali or uh, Costa Rica. Do it. A couple of my friends and just surf. But anyway, so I was at a, I decided to go to this junior college, Orange Coast College, because they had a good art program. They had an art teacher named Victor Casales, who was amazing. And I was going to transition to Pasadena Art Center because I, I know a lot of people did that. So while taking my art classes, I was sitting out drawing one day in this like Fourier kind of thing. And, and I saw these two people rehearsing a scene for the acting class. And I was watching them and watching them, and they did it several times. And then I understood what the scene was, and I'm watching the guy, and in my head I'm like, wow, this guy doesn't get it. <laughs> like, I couldn't verbally say that, but I was like, I get, I get what he's trying. Like, I wanted to step in and do, like, it was like this weird, so I signed up for an acting class. And the first day after that class, I was like, oh my God. This is it, dude. I had so much fun. My body was tingling. That's awesome. I was like, wow, I'm so like excited about this, man. That like, is awesome. That was crazy. And so I auditioned my first play and, and got my first play and then did another play. And then. And this is all at the junior college. Yeah. Awesome. What was your first play? Henry V. Wow. I know. <laughs> I didn't know shit about Shakespeare. Wow. And. But I memorized this little 
monologue. Monologue, St. Crispian Day speech. Oh. And there was a really good actor named Greg Harris who's phenomenal. Do you remember that St. Crispian Day speech? I don't at the top of my head. <laughs> but I asked him to coach me on it, and he did. And I went in, and I was so scared, and I did it. And then I thought, oh, God, he's going to hate me. And he's like, all right, PJ, can you, uh, oh, yeah, can you, can you read this? And I'm like, oh, no, cold read, Shakespeare? What? I did it. He cast me, and I was so excited. A little part, Duke of Bourbon, who had a big speech. Nice. And then uh, and the next play was The Time of Your Life by William Sororan. And I got cast as this character named Dudley. And I was actually reading for other characters, but I saw these guys reading for Dudley, and they weren't getting it. He was this like, love-stricken guy over this woman, Elsa. I'll do anything for you. I'll jump in the bay with you, you know, uh, for you, you know. And after the auditions, he said, does anybody want to read anything that hasn't been able to read anything? I said, yeah, I'd like to read Dudley. And I jumped out there. I, I poured my heart because I didn't understand, you know, what, what he wanted. That is awesome. And he's like, boom, done. You're Dudley. I was like, wow. Yes. And you know what's funny is that feeling has never left. Every time I get cast in a part that I'm excited about, it's still that same. I could feeling. tell that. I could tell from the last audition that you sent me for the show that you got booked on, um, that you were really like connected to well, this guy. He was a real guy on the page. You, yeah, he was coming off the page like Bill in Underground. You know, yeah. he's right there. You just just bring him to life. Yeah, or at least how I. You get it. See it. You understand it. You you see it. That's a big thing, actually. Um, that Robert, my husband, and I talk about a lot is, as an actor is like being able to see it. You know, when you read it on the page and, you know, what happens when you lose being able to see it? I know you, you know? get a visual, you get an yeah. idea, it gets fun. And yeah, I don't is know. That, is that when you're preparing for an audition or for a character, do you um, do you kind of see everything before you do it or do, do a lot of things sometimes happen I in the moment? A, sometimes I get a, if it's written like that, I get an image right off the bat mm -hmm. because it's, 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 he's coming off the page and then I just keep uh, going with that. Sometimes some of the writing on other shows, you know, you have to keep going back and reading which characters who because they all sound the same. Yeah, you know, and it's okay. It's kind of bland or it's right on the nose or yeah. whereas, you how, know. How do you make a character not be right on the nose? Like, do you, is there something about you that you can watch Morgan Freeman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> there was a movie he did where he had a few lines where I was like, how did you do that? Cause that is so on the nose and he made it work. I, I think it's, it's really looking at the circumstances and being as truthful to those circumstances as possible. Um, and trying as many different instinctual ways possible you know being able to play with it um which isn't the luxury today a lot because you don't get a lot of rehearsal time yeah you know but uh luckily most of the roles i've had have not been written that way they've been written really well which jesus good you know all right so junior college you discover your passion for yeah. acting and then so then what happens well right at that time too my family divorced so there was a lot of crazy shit going on. I met a guy named Gary Daniels, who was a martial artist and actor. He's been around forever. He had just moved from Florida. I met him 
And he started training me in martial arts. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And it was amazing. It was the first time somebody taught me how to fight. And what I mean by that is getting in touch with my own intensity, which I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. And that's very important because in acting, you, 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 I was always afraid of my intensity, afraid of the, the stuff that's way down there. I could be funny, but when it came to like uh, doing a scene where I have to... I'm enraged about something or I have to, something is very sad. I I couldn't just act it. I had to find the truth for it and then do it, which was, could be very painful. But all that stuff was happening at the time. So, um, and the people that were in the acting program were all these neat people that I probably would have never hung out with because you know how all these little class systems and school and I was like the big jock dude which I didn't think I was you know but I loved everybody everybody was so amazing they were so unique everybody and uh so what was the question what after you discovered your passion for uh, acting at the college oh what? then I then I um <laughs> I was in a rush and I moved to LA. That's what you do, which was probably the dumbest thing I ever did because, you know, going to LA with no credits and no, I mean, that's the worst place Listen to go. Listen to that, actors listening to this. Uh, you know, it's different for every single person. You could be a person walk in there and they just love you right off the bat. Sure. But um, I wish I would have went to New York first. So you moved to LA. I moved to LA. And I started working at this place, this Luisa's Trattoria, delivering food. Dude, okay. Stop it. I worked at Luisa's. Stop. I delivered, On Melrose? I delivered food. I delivered catering orders uh, from the Pico store. I delivered from the Melrose store. <laughs> wow. Did you work Period. for Debbie Lingard? Debbie Lingard. I was there in the 90s. I was there in the 90s. I was there from like... Oh my God! Like ninety-one this. to ninety-three. I love Louise's. Like their um, their food until they went so corporate and, they, yeah. and it and it killed them. But they're still there. Do you know that's like Guy Fieri started there? He was like wow. he was a he started cooking at Louise's. And dude, li- delivering in West Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, there'd I'd, be stories like I delivered like catering orders to corporate offices. Oh yeah, so it would be like production offices, set up buffets and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We I delivered homes, production offices. It was a good deal, man. It was a good deal. I got robbed. You did? Yeah. Oh god, I would have quit. I, I that was always One night, my fear. Delivering pizza. I was halfway through the night, so I had a wad of cash in me. Uh, I go up to this on Martell. I go up to this. You know, single family home, whatever, with an archway. It's kind of dark. Ring the doorbell. No answer. Ring the doorbell. No answer. Hear these footsteps behind me. I turn around, and these gangbanger guys, Latino guy, whatever, they have these ski masks on or ski hats on, like pulled down way, you know, close to their eyebrows and, and, uh-huh. and stuff up here. And they surround me. And all of a sudden, I feel something sticking in my chest. And I turn and look down, and it's a silver revolver. Oh, my God. And my life just flashed before me. I had never been that scared in my life. I, I, I would, all of a sudden, it hit me right then, like, holy shit, I'm being robbed. You know, and they, 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 they grab the money, and they grab the pizza, and they go running off. And I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck was that? So I go back to Luis's territory. I walk in, everybody's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I just got robbed. And they're like, what? And uh, yeah, that was like... 
That's mm. crazy. That's crazy. Why, that never happened to me. They would have killed me because I never had any cash because uh, <laughs> they would have gotten nothing from me. Well, it's interesting what happens because you're so scared. And then after a while, the rage comes as somebody threatened your life. Wow. What an experience. <sighs> Is that something that you would pull from as an actor, like going through something like that? Probably. I think all those things just sit in you wow. for a while. And so when you start accessing something where you're in that place where it's that kind of rage, you start to go back there a little bit and it, and it, uh, you know, pull some things out. Yeah. Okay. So you're delivering pizzas and food for Louise's. And the first thing I do on tape is a public service announcement for, I can't remember what, but I was working and there was a really pretty woman that worked with me and she was at a table with this guy and I was coming in and out with deliveries and she said, PJ, come over here. I want you to meet this guy. And uh, yeah, we're doing this public service announcement and we need this guy character and I, I think he'd be perfect. I was like, cool. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. He's like, can, can you film it this weekend? I'm like, yeah. Didn't even think about scheduling my work, you know? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll need you around 8.30. And I'm like, okay, 8.30, 9.30, I should be done by two. No idea how film works or whatever, right? <laughs> so don't get my shift covered. Show up to shoot this thing about... 12 o'clock, I'm like, yeah, so uh, how much longer are you going to me? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I have to be back at work at like 2.30. He's like, oh, PJ, we're, we're shooting all day. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> so I had to miss. Did you get I fired? I got fired, yeah. You got fired? Yeah. Oh, it was right there. I picked one. So what year What year time frame is this? It was like, so, and I called him, so so screw us, right? And I was like, whoa, uh, click. Dang. What are you going to do? And that, I think that's when I chose. I was like, you know what? I'm choosing right in this moment. I'm choosing. Um, I don't know how this works. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you move there to be an actor. That's So the- it's funny. I do this public service announcement, right? First time on tape. Pretty cool. Uh, and then I didn't have a job for a while. So then I got a job at Steven Spielberg's restaurant called Dive. I remember that. It did. It had like the the, <laughs> the submarine, submarine restaurant. Yeah. But um, my friend JJ was working at Fox as a programmer. He would like dub tapes and stuff. And JJ Abrams? I wish. No, no. <laughs> what did I say? JJ. JJ Austrian. Great friend. JJ <laughs> Austrian. Um, I was having trouble getting hold of this tape because I needed tape. Right? Right. So he's like, PJ, Peter James. I'll get that tape for you. I'll call from Fox. So he does. He calls this director from Fox. Now, this is J.J. Austrian over at Fox. Uh, yeah, I understand you have a tape of P.J. Marshall. We really like it to see that. We like to get that tape. And we're from Fox, you know. <laughs> Fucking tape comes the next day. Nice. Right? So he was. He wants to make copies of it. And they have these, like, dubbing. Uh, like a big bay. Station. So while he's got it up on the screen, the local casting, the casting guy, one of the casting guys there named Bob Huber, I don't know if he's there anymore, walks by his office to, 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 to talk to him about something. He goes, what's that? He's like, oh, this is uh, my friend, Peter James. He just did this public service announcement. And he watches it. Later that evening, I get a call from JJ saying, dude, you're not going to believe this, but Bob Huber walked into the office while you're, I had your tape on, and, and he likes your tape, and uh, I think he's going to call you in for a general interview. I'm like, what? Come That's- on, dude, shut up. He's like, no, I'm serious. Uh, okay. That's awesome. So sure enough, I get a call from assistant. Blah, blah, blah. Bob would like to see you on Thursday at 12 o'clock, whatever. 
So I'm freaking out, you know, I'm like, what, what do I do? What is this? I walk onto Fox lot. I'm shitting my pants. I'm like, <laughs> Fox lot wants to meet me. So I'm all cool. I got my sixties leather jacket on. I'm PJ, blah, blah, blah. I go in, I meet him. He's like, you're probably wondering why I called you. And I'm like, yeah. He says, well, I watched your tape in it and it, and it sparked. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, you know, it, it, it sparked my interest. He's like, so, uh, so yeah, so what are you doing right now? Nothing. And, and he's like, well, you know what? You, you got a real intensity to you. And so, which is good. Like if I was casting something like Reservoir Dogs, I'd call you in a second. But what I'm casting right now, which was like at the time, Melrose Place, The Heights, he's like, you're just too intense for it. And I was like, oh, all right. He's like, but let's keep in touch, man. I, I, you know, let's keep me, let me know what's going on. And, uh, I walked out and I was like, okay. And told him what happened. And he's like, well, that's good PJ. Yeah. And so that was interesting. And did anything ever, uh, no come from that. But, um, I got invited to go back to New York. I was like a family reunion about a month after that or two months after that. And when I went to New York with my mom and my brother and my sister, at that time, I was obsessed with Gene Hackman, Al Pacino. I was obsessed with New York. I was obsessed with the actors. These guys that like that that did these roles where they were so damn immersed, like immersed. You know, it was so truthful. I was like so obsessed with them. And so when I went to New York and started to uh, figure out like, oh, these guys came from New York. And when I got to New York, I was like, wait a minute here. Why am I drawn here? This is my roots. This is this is amazing. What the hell is this? And I came back and I put a postcard on my wall and I was like, I'm, I'm gonna go to New York, man. That's what I wanna do. So you, so you packed it up and moved to New York? So, yeah, which was crazy because I had no, no credits or no. Oh. So yeah, I moved then, to New York. And then you start studying there? I started uh, uh, waiting tables and, and getting grilled by bitchy uh, managers. And you're just lame, PJ, and you just want to smack them, but you can't because you need the job, so you just take it. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you just you have right. to take shit because you need the job. But I used to fantasize how I would torture that woman. <laughs> in my head like God, we're so mean to me man i'm not doing anything wrong you're just mean because you're mean stop being mean to pj you know everyone. anyway um so i did a play i got my first play little play off 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 broadway and it was about the berlin wall coming down and it was about this soldier who had killed a person trying to get over the wall and then the wall comes down and, and that was his orders but then he gets charged with murder and he's in a cell and he's trying to hang himself and um i saw the audition in backstage and i went and i auditioned and while i was looking over the material there was a monologue of him writing to his wife telling him that he's he's never going to see her again and and it totally broke my heart when i read that monologue and so i did the scene and then i asked the guy the director i said hey do, would you mind if i read this piece over here and he just looked at me and he was like yeah and I just read it from what I felt and I just and he was just so moved he was so I came back uh for a callback he's like who's the guy who cried who's the guy who cried you <laughs> oh yeah yeah you uh, you know and I got the part and and um and that's where it all started just just not just built. all like that's all like that's all I had access to you know but I remember one of my friends who I just met, who was a musician, came to see the show and he said, PJ, wow. He's like, I don't know if this is a compliment, but 
I didn't want you to die, man. Oh. And that just broke my heart because I was like, I, I don't know why I understood this guy's circumstances, but it's all relative, I guess. You know, when you feel like you've done something that you, I understand what it feels like to have done something that you can't take back to ever that yeah. you're, you're just, you're, you know, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, um, you're very in touch with your emotions. <laughs> that's the problem. Person, as a human being, <laughs> good for I acting, not good that. for life. <laughs> I've had time where I've thrown menus because I'm so pissed. You know, these fucking people. Like I worked at this place in, called Willow. It's really upper class, and and some of these people with the blue blazers on Sundays. You're just like, give it a rest, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this one table, they were so mean to me, and I and I accidentally. The Merceau, I got mixed up with the this and the dad, and I poured the wrong glass, and the guy got all crazy. And I went to touch him and said, I'm sorry. He goes, don't touch me. <laughs> and he's humiliating me in front of these women, and they're all just looking at me and cowering. And I was like, I want to clock this mother. Does this stuff make you work harder to become the actor Oh, yeah. That you are? So because I couldn't control my emotion when I would then reverse. So I was jogging one day around the reservoir and I finished and I was walking and this dude's walking with his wife right towards him. I'm like, oh, there he is. There he is. And I'm not like this. But and sometimes I just, it just happens. It clicks. And I just stared him down. I looked right at him like, there you are. We're right here. I'm looking at you. I'm not turning away. I know how you treated me. I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to look at you until you know me. And he looked at me. He saw who I was and he turned away and I was like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So you felt that you got your Look, revenge. we all make mistakes. Yeah. Hell yeah. But to just humiliate somebody like that. Yeah, it's not um, cool. Not cool. And We're so, all human beings. You know, I was terrible Don't as a waiter. Don't be a dick. <laughs> terrible as a waiter. Funny, entertaining. So when <laughs> terrible. When when do you start ah, all so the here acting we go. stuff and working? And Crazy happenstance. When I was in California and I was in middle school, it was Masuda School, I was best friends with this guy named Darren Capic. We always rode skateboards together. He was a little crazy. I was a little crazy. Whatever. OPs, you know, lightning yeah. bolt, all that shit. You know, I leave, I go, all that life happens. You know, never see that dude after like fifth grade. Now I'm in New York. Uh, I have this crazy relationship with this woman who's just, cr I'm not going to say crazy. Just She won't hear this. She's, um, <laughs> or maybe she you know, she's been hurt as a child, you know, gotcha. so. A lot of stuff going on there. Anyway, um, as crazy as that relationship was, she was like, you got to study with this guy named Wen Hanman. He will blow your head off. Meaning like he will, pow, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Wen Hanman, who's Wen Hanman? Well, come to find out, Wen Hanman taught Dusty Hoffman, uh, uh, Denzel Washington, Chris Walken, James Kahn, Chris Cooper. You name it, the list is endless. This guy started the American Place Theater. He was Sandy Meisner's right-hand man. I mean, he's 94 six now and still teaching in new york wow he's a genius absolute genius he started all sam shepherd's work wow him and sam so you you so you have to audition right <sighs> you know okay and i watched this movie with john savage i love john do you remember john savage oh, no i don't john savage from the deer hunter yeah mikey the guy in the wheelchair, okay, yeah, like yeah. losing it in the hut. Ah, 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 that guy. I mean, John Savage is. He just did his anyway, own rendition he, of, um, of the scene. He uh, <laughs> he uh, did plays with Wynn. Wynn knew him. 
anyway, um, there was a movie he did way back in the 80s uh, with a very green David Morse. Mm. And at the beginning of the film, John Savage tries to commit suicide. He jumps out of a building and lands on a car and he doesn't die. On the next scene, he comes out and he's got a brace and he's trying to start his life all over again. He starts working at a bar and he befriends David Morris's character, who's a basketball player. And they become friends and, and, uh, and he's trying to make the pros. Well, what happens is once he makes the pros, he starts changing as a person and totally just, just does some horrible things to, to John Savage's character that makes him want to commit suicide again after all these years that he's gotten better but he realizes he's not going to do it. And there's this one scene where he goes to meet David Morris after a game. And David Morris is oblivious to what he's done. He took his girlfriend, all this stuff, didn't even realize it. And John Savage just gives it to him. But he gives it to him with such heart. Like, you know, you know, I tried to kill myself, but I couldn't. I couldn't even die, man. Is that bad or what? He's got tears in his eyes. But, but I'm bigger than you, man. I know you took my girl and this and that, but I'm bigger than you, man. I'm bigger than you. And he stands up to him with such grace. And I just, it was beautiful. And I, and I watched it over and over and wrote down the monologue, you know, and, and just wanted to do that monologue. It would happen all the time when I watch a movie and I go, I want to do that. I love that. So when I had to audition for when I needed a monologue, so that's the monologue I did. So I walk in, there's this old guy. He's like, and it's like 80s now or something, 70s, something like that. Hello, you know. PJ Marshall, yeah. All right, PJ. Uh, you got a monologue? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I go and do the monologue, right? And I finish, and he goes, okay. Uh, get up, get up. I saw you were doing something with your hands, like when you were getting into it, you were kind of, kind of boxing and moving. And I was like, yeah. He said, like, start doing that, start doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now get into that again. And where is this guy? Where is this guy? Where is he? What's your inner monologue right now? What's your inner monologue? What do you mean? What's inside you? What's going on in this guy right now? Say it. And I'm like, I, I want to kill myself right now. I want to kill myself, but I'm not going to, man. I'm not going to. I'm going to rise above it. Start. And I did the monologue and it just came out. And I was like, whoa. Right? It just came out from that place. And he sat me down. And he said, okay. Did you feel the difference? I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, good. Why do you want to take my class? Uh, and he's just staring at me. No bullshit, just real. You know, I'm like, well, I, I, I feel like I got good uh, instincts. Yes. But I feel like I need more. I don't know, something like technique. Yes. Long stare. Long stare. Thank you. <laughs> oh, what does that mean? Do I leave? I guess so. And I walk out. I'm like, I don't know how it went. What the hell was that? Well, I get a call from his assistant the next day saying, when would love to have you in your class? And I was like, something happened. So I knew that something good had happened. Like, this is the place. And man, you found your that home. guy, that guy, the work in that class. Chris Cooper stopped by a couple years ago to say hi to Win, And my friend was still in class at the time. And he said, you know, Chris Cooper, how honest his yeah. work is. He said, I just want to tell you guys, I did some of my best work I've ever done in this class. And this is the best class you could ever be in. And this man's commitment to this work. And, and it was just always about the work. And such a, uh, I mean, just the, 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 the techniques I learned and the level of which I learned, the organicness the, with each part and, and what comes out of that part, what you see, you know, what comes out of you into the part. It was just incredible. 
I, 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 well, I it thing, was like a the religion thing I, there. I see about I taken uh, from your character is that you are genuinely in it for the craft and the art form of it and it really does something for your soul as opposed to it being for like to become famous or you know or what you know all the other perks that could come with being an actor and I, I can really see that in you I mean I'm sure you wouldn't mind you know being famous or being a celebrity or whatever but uh I really see the artist shine through in your work so that's that's really well, I think, apparent um, to me that's when you feel like you connect to writing and the honesty of it, when it clicks, mm-hmm. I, I can't explain it. It's just the greatest feeling, especially when it's a, an amazing playwright like Eugene O'Neill or Tennessee Williams. Sure. Because they're writing on a level that's just, people will go, that just doesn't happen. It's like, yes, it does. And when you, when you can connect with that, you just feel such an opening in your soul and such an understanding about humanity even more so. I don't know if that makes any sense. But I worked on, um, and when you would work on a character in Wynn's class, if you really started getting a character and he was growing with you, he'd have you work on the whole play. Like I started working on um, um, Long Day's Journey into Night and Jamie, the so bad brother, so, so called. So this, this is a Meisner technique? No, class, no, or? no. He just studied with uh, Sandy, but he, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just... He kind of evolved so many his different own. techniques, animal work, uh, uh, as ifs. Wow, you ever heard of as ifs? No. As ifs is like something that really resonates with you, like as if somebody was drilling a drill in your head. If that does something to you, if that matches what that feeling is of the writing, oh. your imagination That's can take you to places that. You I like know, that. As sometimes ifs. imagination is better; it's safer yeah. than dredging up shit that maybe you haven't dealt with because you don't know what hell is going to take you. Sure. But when I worked on Long Day's Journey into Night, you know, my dad was a drinker. He was a great dad, but he had a flip side to him, we all knew. So Jamie was so, I understood it. I don't know why. I'm not a drinker. I don't, like I have a beer here or a glass of wine here, but I'm not, I'm not really a drinker. That's why mm-hmm. New Orleans <laughs> sometimes doesn't work with me. But um, the drunkenness, I understood by growing up with it. So when I would work on that drunkenness, it was so organic and real and when would always say sometimes you'll find a voice a voice will come to you when you work on the when you work on the character and you stay open and this voice came for jamie one night when i would sit and have my bourbon and read through the play that was my favorite thing to do is just marinate he calls it marinating with the work and this voice came this character and i and getting in touch with that that viper in him that is so damaged that he's so like you know just just downright just evil because of the pain he feels, you know, and getting in touch with that. I ended up working on that part for six months in his class. And it's those experiences you just take with you forever. Um, Meaning the drunkenness, when I went to do underground, there's a scene where the character's drunk. We all know it. Scene three. The big fight. Muscle memory. I'd done that work. So I prepped in the trailer and got to that place, that drunken place. And Anthony Hemingway saw it. And instead, it was supposed to stay. It was supposed to stay on the porch, but he had the foresight, fourth foresight, foresight to see where I was in the space. And he goes, "PJ, this rehearsal, just, just do what you want to do. Just play it out." And that became the scene. And directors listening, that that's if you have the courage and the time to do that, and you see an actor who's really in it, let it play out. Don't have it all blocked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. And they just 
and then I came off the porch and surrounded her and it all went and, and they all followed it and that's how that scene went. But those, the work that you did stays with you in that class and that's what... So for, for that scene mm-hmm. on Underground, did you not have a proper rehearsal? Like, like you would, obviously not like you would in theater, but did, you ha- did they give you time to rehearse with the director well, or with the other actors? You don't get that much time, so I do as much as I can on my own with the material mm-hmm. and not get locked into a certain where I'm going to go uh, physically. Right. Because you never know, but just just to have the insides there. But Anthony, um, he rehearsed a lot, even though it was a fast schedule. Um, but that scene, um, he, like I said, he saw I was in it. And when he said, let it go, and I just took command and just took where my instincts took me to go, um, it just started happening. And the fact that he shot it around that. And and Journey, if you watch her in that scene, it wouldn't have worked as good if if the reactions that she finally gives me when she finally looks at me, you get goosebumps. It's like, and they let it play out. It's like almost four minutes. No one does let that happen. It was amazing. You hear nothing. And that, I'm sure that kind of helped your career. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, okay, let's go back a little bit because you, you're in New York, but how'd you get to Louisiana? You, you lived here for I several years. I was working years. with a manager and at the time, uh, I think he had a few clients with LTA, mm-hmm. uh, with Lawrence and Fiona. And he said, hey, you know, we're thinking about, there's a lot of work down there. I think it was around 2012 or something. And so I, he hooked me up with Lawrence, and Lawrence liked my reel at the time. And I think it was the first second audition he got me was this show called Trooper with Mira Savino. Oh. And I booked it. And I was like, I'll fly myself out to Texas. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and Lawrence was like, all right. And, and then I'm like, well, what about rental car? And I was like, what are you talking about, rental car? Why, 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 you're a real car. <laughs> don't ask for anything. Don't ask for anything. Is he crazy? What's he acting? I don't know any of this. <laughs> but I got out there, and I did it. And... And then after talking to Lawrence, um, he said, PJ, you know, you ought to come down here, man. There's a lot of work for you. And I was like, you know what, man? L.A. has just been treating me badly. One manager I was with was like, I just can't get you an agent, PJ. Nobody's interested in uh, character actors over 40. And it's one of those situations where that's all I have, so I got to eat crow. You know, like, oh, that's great. Right. Is that how you went to them with the? Uh, but you'd done a movie. Up hey, in- come look! I'm come look at my actor. He's a character actor. He's over forty. Maybe you want to see him. Was Catch 40, 40 uh Got that on two? my own. Was that before LT? Yeah, because yeah, I did that movie in Shreveport. Ah, and that's the first time I yes. heard your name. Um, and you were friends with the director, Aaron or, Harvey. Yeah. yeah, and he's like my friend. My friend PJ uh, Marshall is going to play that role. It was a cool cop role. Who gets like killed and thrown in a trunk. And- How I met Aaron was I did a short for AFI. The called idiot. Deserted. Oh no, called Deserted. Deserted. Okay, it was a Civil War uh, short. It was really done well by a guy named Niels Tim, and Aaron came to see it. They had met and loved it, and was like wanted to meet me. And met with him. He's like, dude, your work's fucking great, man. Wow. He's like, look, I got this this film coming up called Catch Forty Four. Blah 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 blah. But there's this character, and and uh, and uh, uh, I think you'd be great for it. I want to shoot this mock scene. You want to do it? Yes. We went out to the desert. We shot one day. That scene we shot just on a regular camera, whatever. And then he's like, and it came out great. And then he's like, dude, I'm really trying to get you on this, man. I really think it can work. And sure enough, he did. 
Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm going to work with Forrest Whitaker? Yeah. yeah. And and Bruce Willis, and right? Bruce Willis, yeah. I didn't get to work with him. but um, So I flew down, did it. And while I was down there, I met a guy named Kevin Beard. Oh, yeah. Stunt coordinator. And he was my stunt driver. Yeah, okay. And he was like, dude, you ought to think about coming down here. And Kim Bernard, another woman. Sure. You ought to think about coming down here. And um, and I did the, did the scene with Forrest Whitaker. It was great, like really great. It was like playing tennis with him. Yeah. You know, he was. The he scene was, is great. And then when he came back to do something, he met with Aaron and Aaron called me like months later after the film edited or whatever. And he's like, hey, listen, I got to tell you something. He's like, I met up with Forrest and uh, he wanted me to tell you something. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he, he said to me, thanks for hiring such a great act, a great actor to work off of. And I was like, shut up, man. He didn't say that. He's like, yeah, he did. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Because I've always respected his work, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. And he was so cool to me. I mean, he, it was tennis. He was in his character. I was in my character. He knew what the deal was. Yeah. Whatever he was slinging at me, I was slinging back. That's you awesome. Um, respected his space, whatever. But so then's when I realized I'm going to go down to Louisiana. Well, turns out I met a woman named Flo Young. Oh, yeah, Flo. yeah, I know Flo. I did a play with Flo back in New York Yeah, before okay. I even, even considered. Yeah. So I find out she's living down here. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm working with LTA. She's like, I'm with LTA. You got to come down here. So I came down for a couple of weeks, and that's when I came and I met you as a, as a general member. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then I think I showed you Idiot. Yeah, yes. Yeah, there was at my old office uh, on Canal Street. Canal you came Street. to our one of our Mardi Gras parties, I think. Um, but yeah, idiot. Yeah, I was smiling that, at Liz. Didn't realize who Liz was because she had a wig on. I was like, oh shit. Because <laughs> she looked tragic. I was like, oh my god, hey. <laughs> <That's the guy>. <laughs> <laughs> that, that short idiot you showed to me, and I just remember being like, this guy's freaking good. Wow, and thank that you. that movie. Can people see it anywhere? It's I think a, they can it's see like it online. Aaron, Aaron Harvey. Came to me with a script. Oh, man, it's so he, uh, good. He said, "You want to do this?" I was like, "Yes." It'll make you. It'll it'll make your soul. Hurt that was a pure bit. instinct. Uh, looking at that character and marinating with it, and this just all I could see was he was a man trapped in a child's, mm. a, a, a wounded child's. Uh, it's hard to. It's hard. It's rare. Uh, this might be controversial that I see a good short film. Sure. You know, short films are like can be brutal and that's a good short film yeah in Aaron, my opinion Aaron, we shot that yeah. in two nights so good okay so you're here uh in ah, louisiana right, so i'm in louisiana i'm reading for you i'm reading for liz megan lewis megan no no megan doesn't want to see me at this point oh she doesn't get it for whatever yet. reason a year goes by right megan doesn't want to see me so but i'm i'm reading for you and i don't know if i'd gotten a few things maybe but I was digging Louisiana, man. I was digging New Orleans. I was like, nobody cares what you look like, what you drive, you know, because L.A., it's everybody's on the take, you know, mm. looking at everybody. What are you doing? This, that. And everybody's always like trying to one up each other. And there was none of that here. Everybody was so cool. So um, can't get in to see Megan for whatever reason. Um, so I go back to L.A. I'm still there. I'm, I'm taping back and forth, you mm -hmm. know. Playing, playing both worlds. Lawrence called me one day. PJ, listen, man, listen, buddy, got you a, a audition with Megan. I was like, but I'm in California. Pause. Shit. Uh, can you make it down here, man? Dude, I'm telling you, it's gonna be worth it, brother. 
I was like, he's like, do it, man. Just do it. I was like, all right. So I bought a plane ticket. People are like, what are you doing? I'm flying down to New Orleans for an audition. You're paying a plane ticket to fly down? Yes. Did you ever in your life think you would do shit no, like that? No, but right. I trusted Lawrence. I was like, if something's working here, I'm just going to go for it, man. What else do I have to live live for? <laughs> Lose. <laughs> wow. That came out. That was weird. That's kind of how I am. That's the problem. Um, what was it? It was for... Uh, had to be something big. It was so like Twelve Years a Slave. No, no, like, no. It was um, it was a trial movie with Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I know that. I think. Yeah. And I came down and I heard all these stories about Megan. You know, she's mean or she can be gruff or this or that. And I was, uh, but I, but I dealt with that in L.A. There's some whack jobs, and she's not. She's just, she's just, she's kind of like Win, just straightforward. Yeah. I don't, I don't to the bullshit point. you. If I'm pissed, I'm pissed. Which I, I like, actually. Um, so I went in, I read for her. She was really nice to me. And I think she saw right away when I was reading with her, ah, he, he knows what he's doing. He gets he, it. He, he gets it. So I get called back. I don't get it. Go back to LA. Then I get another audition that I got put on tape for American Horror Story, Detective Colquitt. No idea it's 1950s, because they're all like real secretive. It's a mock script, right. just a cop. You know, whatever. I put it on tape with my friend, send it back. Um, all of a sudden, you know, I get the call. PJ, they, they want you for American Horror Story. I was like, what? Okay. Uh, I got to book a ticket. Oh, shit, it's Wednesday. I got to be down by Friday. Da, da, da. <laughs> book a ticket, get down there, fly in, um, get there around 6 o'clock, get over to costumes here. At my building that uh -huh. we're at. Oh, wait, I'm a detective? Yeah, you're a detective, Colquitt. Oh, okay. <laughs> you didn't even know. No. <laughs> oh, it's 1950. Whoa. Oh, this is cool. I got to work the next day, morning, Jessica Lang. I'm like, who's Elsa Mars? Jessica Lang. I got to go home. I got to learn these. I, I'm, I'm shitting my pants. Like, Jessica Lang, are you kidding me? I mean, there's not many people I get. But Jessica Lang is the yeah. shit. So I'm nervous as hell. I got to work the next morning with Jessica Lang. It's know? like working with one of your She's idols. Like thrown right in. Or... Just wow, yeah. No rehearsal. Don't know if the director liked what I did as a character. Don't know any of that. You know what I mean? Get there. Da-da-da-da. Here's Jessica. Oh, my God. Working with her. Do you like what I'm doing? Yeah, PJ, you're great. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, how is this even working? Working with this two-headed lady, you know, who's very on point about everything. She's brilliant, but very on point. You don't, hey, get back on that mark. You're not on your mark. Wait, what? what? Well, okay, it's your show. But it was an amazing experience. And then uh, that's when I met James Dumont because he played my partner. Right. And he's like, you're going to make such good money. This is shame, baby. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, so... Then he's like, dude, you're going to get, you're going to recur. I was like, what? He's like, I'm telling you, this character's going to recur. Yeah, whatever. And then it recurred the and whole season, recurred. right? And then it recurred again. It was again. a pretty, pretty significant role in the, yeah. in the, in the uh, that series. And I remember sitting at the fair, the fairgrounds they built, you mm -hmm. know, the carnival, whatever they built. Right. Sitting in my, you know, three shifter, uh, whatever it was. And going and getting a giddy feeling like look what you're doing man you're doing like what you do as a kid in the woods playing civil war you're 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 
You're doing this. Like, take all of it, baby. Take all of it. It's like scary because you're 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 getting to do what you've always wanted to do, and it's so exhilarating, but it's so frightening at the same time because you want to get it right, you know. And what is right? We don't know what right is, but but I remember getting so upset because I bumped a couple lines, and we're just doing the wide. And I'm sitting there outside just smoking, going, fuck, 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 fuck. And the director, Alonso, he's like, PJ, it's okay, man. We're just doing the wide. You know, so nice to me, you know. But what an amazing experience. I remember just, but Jessica Lang, wow. When she acted across me the first time, she's got it. She did this thing where she shifted and she put her leg over her leg and kind of shifted her skirt. And she's sending that sexual energy. And I was like, whoa. Whoa, cut whoa whoa wow jessica lang still not that she still got it but like god wow and so nice to me you know nice so cool well why wouldn't she be i mean and here i am saying i'm in love with her husband sam shepherd i've done five of his plays you know i don't want to talk about it because it's gonna be stupid but you know i knew all about them from reading about it and doing all sure. sam shepherd's plays so yeah, so that was great, uh, and so, I remember running into Megan in the street uh, somewhere, and and I was like, Megan, I I was almost teary, like thank you so much. My mom's so excited, and the fact it's reoccurring, like, and she was so nice to me. She was like a little giddy too, like yeah, PJ, it's great, and that was wonderful. And then uh, and then just started going on, and then things kind of. So then I decided to, to move officially. Oh, you, boom, like move. I'm, I'm doing it, and that was. That's that was 2014, and then like uh, what, Astronaut Wives Club, and then yeah. Free State of Jones, and then Underground came, and that kind of you know, when I was on Free State of Jones, I got that audition notice from Megan, and I read that was the scene, that was the audition scene, it was that drunk scene? Oh, for for Free State for, un- for Underground for Underground, yeah. Oh wow! So I'm in my wow. trailer reading that scene, going. Never get scenes like this. Only the stars get scenes like this. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, I can't be there because I'm working. Shit. Can I put it on tape? Yes. Clint, I got to put this thing on tape tonight. Get down here, bud. As soon as you're off, I got, okay. Nine o'clock comes. They let me go. I fly back to, to here. Get with Clint. The best audition I've ever had. And I, I only got a few hours to work on it. You know, it's like, get it out of your head. Get it out of your head. And I sit there and I have some wine and we do the best job we can. And I send it off thinking, damn it, I wish I had more time, man. I had no time. Day later, call back. Got the weekend to work on it. Yes. You know what I mean? So then I worked on it all weekend with Clint. We worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. Then I go into Megan and I meet Anthony and, and, and uh, uh, Misha and Joe. So I do the scene, and Anthony says, "Okay, PJ, take it again, and 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 try to let yourself get more wrapped up in it, and 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 just let and okay." And then I just went for it, and didn't know what happened. Like you, you lost yourself. You're, yeah, you just. And that's don't the remember. goal. Yeah. That's the goal. I mean, you talk. He's in the Daniel Day Lewis. He talks about it. That place where you feel naked, and you just don't remember. And you what don't happened. remember. That's yeah. it's scary to go there because you have no control over it. Yeah. But that's where the goods are and you have to try to get there because you can feel yourself editing when you let that go that's when the magic happens but it's hard and you got to let it and hopefully you'll get a director who allows that to happen and wants that to happen because that's where those moments that you watch films or TV and you just oh you know so um, I had no idea it was going to be seven episodes 
Okay, I thought it was one. Got the call. Lawrence calls me. I jumped up and down in my room and started crying. I was so like, what? I got that role? Oh, my God. Yes, it's, it's 104 or 101 through 104 and 107. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, it's, wait, one through four, seven and nine. Wait, what? What? <laughs> Whoa, I was no, like, I've never like, had this. I'm what? on a series. Shit. <laughs> and then I got the first script and started reading it and got so scared because this you, guy. You felt like you were over, over your, in over your head? No, just comfort zone. Like this uh, guy, this Bill Meeks is, does some horrific stuff. Like there was one scene where I read where he has to threaten to whip little Maceo's hands. Oh my God. I watched the whole series. Yeah, and when I awful. read that scene, I grew up with that kind of violence. I read that scene. I'm like, Oh God, how am I going to get through that? Well, the day we went to shoot it and I met Maceo and he looked up at me. I was like, I can't do this because I know where I have to go. I can't just, I know where I have to go. Oh God, I can't do this. Cause you feel so horrible because where you have to go is you have to, th- but I did. And I trusted. And I just said, I know I have to go. And I, we did a little rehearsal. And I kind of did it. And he started laughing a little bit, but I knew it was coming. And then when I came, he just looked at me and started you crying. Did it, you did it in the rehearsal? Just a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. And he, but when I came full, I went, walked off to get into that space and I came back and I did that. And I was like, get those hands up. And he just looked at me and he started crying and I was in it. And we ended cut, and and it just feels so horrible because the, the inside of your body that's telling you that you know it's wrong is still there pushing against you. Yeah. Does that make any Did sense? Did you give him a big hug? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I picked him up, and I said, do you know how amazing you are? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, do you realize what you just did? I could never do that when I was a kid your age. Really? Oh. Yeah. And then we just became buddies because he was truthfully amazing. That's awesome. Um, but thank God I had somebody like Anthony yeah, to be okay because it was horrible. And then when I had to whip uh, a journey and, and so oh, it, was just, yeah. it was just a horrific place. And you look around and all the townspeople are looking at you. So what, you did, just be in that what place. did this show do for you? As, um, a, as an actor living in New Orleans, you'd been here for like three well, or four years. Um, what was amazing was how much time you got? Okay. You good? Well, oh, well, I just Joe wanna... called me after they were cutting the scene. Who's Joe? Joe Pekaski. Okay. Oh, he's the producer. One of the producer creators. They were editing that scene, the drunk scene in L.A. And he called me, which I was like, "Why is he calling me?" And he said, "Hey, PJ, we're just. I wanted to call you because we're cutting the scene right now. Uh, and you brought me to tears, man. I just want to say thank you. That was amazing work. And I'm like, what? I'm used to getting like, you know." I don't want you. You're not going to get an agent. You don't know. You're not wanted here. And to get a call like that was just like, I I don't even know what to think anymore. So you really proved yourself. I guess you so. Know? But I remember finishing that scene and driving home because we shot all through the night. And the crew thought I was drunk. They were like, Either you didn't drink anything. Drive. And I was like, and I walked a line. I was like, nah, man, that's the fucking art. You know? That's right. how it's done. That's how it's supposed to be done. No way would I have a drop of alcohol, you know? Like, what would it? No, it defeats the purpose of right. the craft. So, um, so yeah, I was uh, teary-eyed because I was like, I can't believe I got to do this kind of work. But what was the question? So then, so that, that kind of propelled your career to where you are now. Well, what that, happened that was, was a- is 
when I was out in L.A. doing some ADR work for it, I found out they were going to Comic-Con, which was odd. Like, why is Underground going to Comic-Con? But they are. And I know people in New York. And I was like, hey, Joe, I heard you guys are going to Comic-Con. He's like, yeah. I said, well, wow, I'd love to go. I know people out there. He's like, oh, I'll get you a ticket. Just get there. I was like, all right. So about ticket, was there with the rest of the cast, the immediate cast, Amira and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, Alano and, and, and Aldis. And, you know, they were doing mainly the, the interviews. I got to do pictures with them. But while they were doing their interviews, I was just sitting on the side watching. I started talking to this guy named Jeremy Katz. And we talked all day. And we just hit it off. And I was like, Jeremy, what do you do here? Are you like part of the PR people? He's like, no, I'm a manager. I manage Amira. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, you know, I've been thinking about coming back to New York. I don't know. I, I, I could use a manager. He's like, oh, well, let's meet. So then we go down to watch the screening. He sees it, you know. He didn't get it while he, he was, was talking uh, to you. I think we enjoyed each other. It was yeah. just one of those weird conversations. He said, all right, let's meet. And I, so I met with him and he said, uh, I, I think you're great. You, can you commit to me for a month? And I said, yes. Not even thinking how I was going to do it. I was just like, this, this is all happening. I was going to go with it. So I said, yes. So I stayed out there for a month and he started sending me up and I booked a job on, uh, I don't know what it was, Mysteries of Laura. And then he introduced me to Abrams and they were, they were like, yeah. So the show elevated you to another level. Yeah. And that's awesome. Well, it was do so funny feel, because I had, feel, a, I had a, feel successful when I sat in Abrams, you have to meet with all the five agents. Mm-hmm. They're like kind of grilling me. They're like, so you did American Horror Story. Yeah. And then you did Underground, yeah. Recurring role, yeah. And you did that all out of Louisiana, yeah. <laughs> Surprised they haven't opened a shop here. Well, they were just like, well, how did this happen? Like, luck? I don't know. When I talked to Joe, he said he had auditioned that role in L.A., in New York. Sure. He said, I started to doubt the writing. And I was like, what? Joe, wow. are you kidding me? He's like, but then you came in, man. And I was like, I had a hard time believing that. I was like, I had a hard time believing that. I was like, come on, man. That's a role as a gift of a lifetime, you know? Like, I, you don't get roles like that. Awesome. I, anyway, so they took me on, and then uh, they've treated me so great, and, and that's how I got to New York, which I didn't plan on. I didn't plan on it at all. I just kind of went with it, how I've always nice. gone. And now you're, uh, you're getting to get some more significant, you know, parts. I've worked as things. an actor solely for the last what three four years now nice so no which side i never hustle. thought i'd get to nice which is just and insane because you have too much goal. time and you're like now it's even worse <laughs> <laughs> now you're like ah while wow, living in new york which while is living in new york which yeah. is uh one of the yeah. most expensive places to live in the world so i mean yeah it's it's going from like and now i'm like yeah i mean i i just did the blacklist with james spader Nice. Uh, he was awesome. I gave him a bloody lip, which was accidental. Because we get into this scene where I'm trying to attack this woman. And he goes to grab me and my, pulls me back and I hit something. And uh, he <laughs> his lip was all bloody from me hitting his head. But he was awesome. James Spader was awesome to work with. Awesome. All right. Well, anyway. What, how are we doing, J- uh, Jason? We've probably been Jeez, we're at an uh, hour and ten. All right. Well, I think that I hope I didn't. We no, should. It was great. Um, I do have an audition coming up in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, dude, great story. 
what a life. I think that this could be inspiring to any young actor. Any words of wisdom to a young actor coming up that listens to this podcast that might be, you know, unsure about uh, what they should, you know, if they should go to Louisiana first or go to L.A.? Like any little tips that you might have for them before we close it out? Just trust their instincts because uh, you're going to hit a lot of roadblocks, but keep yourself around the people who really believe in you and you'll know that. And those are the people that will help you get you through. And if you have the passion and the drive, you won't have to listen to anybody. It'll be your path. That's what you just can't stop doing it. And uh, you'll get a lot of doors closed and a lot of things will said about you and talk people say things about you but you'll get through it because you love it and the thing that got me through was was the people who believed in me and and always watching things that inspired me always going back to the films that inspired me or reading the plays that inspired me that's what got me through keeps me through all the time nice awesome well i'm gonna i'm gonna end it there i want to thank jason uh, for producing and engineering, uh, social media talk at talk like normal at glorioso casting at Jason Edwards TV at full grown mouse, Justin TC underscore underscore. Are you on any Twitter or Instagram or any of that stuff? Yes, <laughs> unfortunately, but I understand it. I understand it since necessary Instagram, the PJ Marshall, uh, Twitter is PJ Marshall. Facebook is PJ Marshall. Boom. All right. Follow him, everyone, and go check out his movies. And tell Oh, can I shows. plug? Yeah. Unearth. Movie coming out. When? Uh, next year. It's about fracking, but it's also a horror movie. And I worked with Mark Blucas. Awesome. Who got me cast in it. And I play a farmer, but then shit starts happening because of the fracking. I can't say Unearth. It's going to be great. Unearth. Cool movie. Uh, Adrian Barbeau plays my mother. Awesome. Uh, we have great scenes together. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. So look for PJ Marshall in a theater near you. Boom. Next year. Awesome. And on TV. Bye. Thank you. Talking like normal people is brought to you by mycastingfile.com. Create a searchable profile accessible by multiple casting directors who are casting major film, television, and commercial projects. Mycastingfile.com. <laughs>